0: Welcome to Echumon with Willis and Alex.
1: Hello, my name is Alex and I'm joined by Willis. Hey, Willis. Hey, Alex. Hey, everyone. And we welcome you to another episode of Echumon where we are exploring the interesting and perhaps surprising biblical origins of phrases in the English language. Uh, Please remember that we are very open to feedback and any questions that you may have, and you can reach us on our Google form. We have been considering the idea for a prize for one of the respondents, and I actually came across something uh, very interesting the other day that... Let's just say I think it's very appropriate for this podcast and also very practical as well. That I think would be a really interesting prize. So if you want to be in the running for that, do let us know your thoughts and questions uh, for us. But in the meantime, our phrase for this week is maybe a little bit obscure, but Willis was keen for it and it's got a really interesting biblical story behind it. So Willis... What is this phrase and why did you pick it?
0: Sure. Thanks, Alex. Before I explain the phrase, just another quick plug for that Q&A. We're really keen to do a Q&A episode at some point, but we need to get enough questions first. So keep them coming. And also, yeah, any feedback, there's a feedback section in that Q&A form um, as well that we'd really appreciate if you do have any feedback for how we can be improving our podcast. And the prize, the mysterious prize that Alex mentioned, I've only taken a quick look. At it but it's pretty cool so yeah
1: highly highly back just, it. yeah uh, i'm
0: surprised they made it exactly it's <laughs> i guess it's quite relevant so yeah we'll leave it as a mystery but it's another incentive i guess and it'll be a good one the phrase yes i apologize it is a bit obscure so i'm not sure how common it is used in everyday english anymore although it definitely was probably used quite a lot back in the day a couple hundred years ago or maybe even less than that the phrase is at the 11th hour. What does this phrase mean? According to Cambridge Dictionary, the 11th hour means the last moment or almost too late. I think a common uh, alternative phrase that some of us say instead of at the 11th hour today in the 21st century is at the last minute, which pretty much has the same meaning. At the last moment or almost too late. People might use a word in the sentence by saying like, they're rushing to get something signed, um, they might say, we only received all the signatures at the 11th hour. So it, that's one example of how it can be used. Something to convey, something done in a bit of a rush at the last moment, something that's almost too late. That's the phrase we're looking at today. And the reason why, even though it's a bit obscure, I was keen to do it, as Alex sort of hinted, is that it's got a pretty cool backstory to it in terms of the origins from where it comes from in the Bible. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, one of the four Gospels of the Bible, and it comes from chapter 20. It's another parable that Jesus is speaking. We, we've done a few already. We have done, did one about the parable of the sower in our episode on four by the Wayside, if you remember, and also our very first episode on the Good Samaritan. All of those are, are parables, are stories that Jesus uses to convey truths about himself, about what heaven will be like, about who God is. Let's take a look. At this parable here. I'll just quickly read it out for us. Jesus explains that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. A vineyard is, I guess, a place where you grow grapes, particularly to press into wine. And that's how yeah, landowners made income back in the day. So this landowner agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. What's a denarius? A denarius is an average usual day's wages for people back in first century Jewish culture. So that landowner went to high workers to work in his vineyard and agreed to pay them denarius for the day and sent them in to work. About nine o'clock in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So those people at nine in the morning also went after um, the landowner invited them. The landowner went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. Workers at 12 p.m. and workers at three all came and upon his invitation went into the vineyard and worked too. And lastly, about five in the afternoon, he went out just one hour before work finishes for the day at five o'clock. He went out and found still others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? They answered because no one has hired us. And the landowner said, you also come and work in my vineyard. And then when evening comes, the owner of the vineyard says to his assistant, the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one's hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, the ones who only worked for about an hour, came and each received a denarius too, the same that those workers that the landowner first called in the morning received. They all got that day's worth of wages. So when they came who were hired first, They expected to receive more, but each of them just received the same amount, a denarius. Uh, When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. They said, Those who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But the landowner answered them and said, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for that average day's worth of wages, a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Are you jealous? Because I am generous. So Jesus says at the end, to finish off and recap this whole story, the last will be first and the first will be last. It's quite a mysterious, but also really cool phrase. The last will be first and the first will be last. And 11th hour, I've read the story from a more modern translation of the story from Matthew's gospel, but at the 11th hour in the more olden English translations was a was time that was used to describe those workers at the very end whom the landowner invited when it was just one hour left. The workday back in Jewish times was separated into a 12-hour day from 6am, about 6am to 6pm. So those who were hired at the very end at 5pm, only it was the 11th hour of that 12-hour day. Hence that word 11th hour, that phrase 11th hour has come into use in the English language to mean at the last moment, them being the last ones who uh, the landowner invited to come and work for, for him
1: that day. That's the story. So we see that 11th hour in there as a sneaky little detail, but the story itself, wow, what, what a story. I think probably the first time or even the first few times I've heard this story or encountered it. It's definitely, I think, been quite confusing, right? Because that's the first thing it strikes us. It's unfair. Mm-hmm. What is this meant to say about God, this landowner who's apparently treating people kind of unfairly, it seems. But I think that is the point of the story, even though look, we can't take every detail in these sorts of parables Seriously, because it's it's just like a general illustration. But I think that is a really striking thing. And I think that is that maybe Jesus wanted his audience to experience. That Jesus would have been um, his hearers would have heard that and thought, this landowner is what is going on. I think that is meant to strike us. So I think that sort of emotional, our natural reaction to the apparent unfairness, it's the right reaction to have. But I might also add that I think one thing that we may miss, just the sheer amount of the generosity in the landowner i guess in that context i guess if you didn't have a stable job you hung around the marketplace and hoped to find some work and someone may come to you and give you some work for the day otherwise you may not have food on the table that night and so the fact that the landowner is kind of hiring people late in the day when he probably didn't need to because the work was probably nearly done anyway that is an expression of generosity i think you if you're hanging around marketplace all day, you probably wouldn't expect to get hired for one to two hours. And even then, you definitely wouldn't expect to get paid for a whole day's work. So I think that's one thing just to keep in mind when it comes to the things that strike us. It's not just the apparent unfairness, but that generosity that's there as well. Those are two key themes here. I think that's maybe kind of symbolic of how Jesus pays the price on the cross. So Jesus dies for our sins. Uh, That's the Christian understanding. Jesus even takes the punishment that we deserve because of the bad things we've done. That's the justice part of it. Because Jesus is God, he is able to make up, he's able to pay for our sins, to atone for our sins. But we also don't deserve Jesus to save us. None of us deserve Jesus, his mercy and his generosity in giving his life to save us. So I think those are two things there. They're both there captured in what Jesus does at the cross, and they're both here in this story, but it can be hard, I think, for us to wrap our heads around it. In addition to that, there's that strange phrase, right? The first will be last and the last will be first. Yeah. And I think we can see how that works in the story. I guess the most direct application is uh it doesn't matter how much you've worked, how many good things you've done, or how many bad things you've done, at the end of the day. It's because of God's mercy and God's generosity that we get to be part of the kingdom of heaven at all. So I guess that's one side of it. But then this whole idea of things being reversed, the first is the last and vice versa, that's kind of Jesus, right? Because Jesus is God. He's definitely the first, but he like humbles himself, comes to live on earth and experience the pains and troubles of this life and suffers and dies in the worst way imaginable. He makes himself last, but it's through that also that he's kind of glorified. And the same principle is also in society at that time with Jesus's message. It tends to be the religious leaders and the elite and the teachers who don't get Jesus's message and are excluded. But it tends to be the so-called sinners, the prostitutes, those who are looked down in society, tax collectors, for example, at that time who understood Jesus's message of grace that get into the kingdom of God. So I think a lot of different things floating around here. So I think it's a very rich passage that deserves much more than 20 minutes on the podcast. Yes. But, I think those are the, the things I've gleaned from it. Yeah.
0: So many good things in that. And yeah, I love you reflecting on just what a message of hope it might be to those who did consider themselves last on that moral ladder, the late comers, those who considered themselves sinners in society at the time. And Jesus saying that, no, your day's wages, what you need to, to live and, and, and to have life isn't on the basis of, of you and how long you've worked, but on the basis of my generosity. And it's the same message to those who worked at the start of the day. I'm giving you your wages, not on the basis of how much you've worked, but on the basis of my generosity. That's why the landowner, Jesus is trying to say that if it's on the basis of, of his generosity, he is fair because he has a right to give as much as he wants to whoever. From the very first to the last, all of them receive these wages, this life on the basis of purely the generosity of the landowner rather than the actual efforts of the laborers themselves. And yeah, this was the really cool context in which this phrase, the 11th hour stuck out to me that I often think of the phrase I, I use at the last minute myself quite often because I'm always yeah rushing about to get to places, but just to, yeah, just to reflect and think that the very first origins of this concept of arriving late isn't filled with the context of urgency and, and needing to, to need to make up for what you've lost, but simply just A wonderful joy at the generosity of God that Jesus is talking about in the story today. And I'm sure yeah, there might be questions coming up for people to follow on with. Um, So yeah, if you have any questions, do send it along to us. We might finish with one final bit of practical thought about whether you're Christians or not, what might be practical applications we can see from parable that Jesus is talking about and was explaining today. Alex, did you have any stemming from what you've already shared about the justice and the generosity of God that can be seen from the story?
1: I think maybe the main message that Jesus is simply saying is that, like, it's never too late to turn to God if you believe in him. Doesn't matter what you've done or what your past has been like, because it doesn't depend on that at all. I guess Jesus is using the marketplace and the working and hiring analogy he's not necessarily in support or against that kind of feudal or capitalistic worldview i mean or, or system if anything he's probably a bit against it because he's really emphasizing grace and generosity in a way none of us deserve god to come and save us and it doesn't matter where we come when we come it doesn't matter how many good things we've done or how many bad things we've done we just have to accept god as he is that is in jesus in this humble man who died to save us and take it even though it seems unfair and even counterintuitive
0: yeah um i don't think i have much more to add except just to show the parallel that for those who've come late yeah in terms of this story that we've seen to It doesn't matter because it's not on the basis of what you've done. Um, There's not, yeah, you can't have lived a life so so poor that Jesus, Jesus' death on the cross isn't sufficient to give you that life. And likewise, for those who feel, feel like experienced Christians or Christians have been Christians for a long time, it's it's also a practical reminder of the reason for why we do labor for God. It's not on the basis to try and earn his favor, which has already been given to us as a gift. And it's a warning for us not to be comparing ourselves and to feel envious of others who experience those blessings um, later, even though they've worked less or, or come to Jesus later in life. It's simply a reminder that we work on the basis of just thanksgiving for God's generosity, rather than to earn it. It's given to us already and the slave of thanksgiving and not have to worry about this burden of enviousness that comes with that. So that's one practical application for those who might be more experienced.
1: So maybe you do have some questions about justice and how is it just that Jesus can die for our sins when we are the ones who've done the bad thing and Jesus hasn't deserved it? And how is it fair that we get saved even though we don't deserve it? And, and, and so on, right? I think these are really big topics. So if you do have any more questions surrounding this story or any of the episodes we've talked about, do just send us a message. We would be keen to do a Q&A at some point. And besides that, we are also anticipating a rather special episode next time, hopefully. So do stay tuned. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in keep safe and take care and hope you can join us again soon bye from me bye from me too see you guys thanks